Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter number 18, once again. And I'm going to be honest with you, the church, we're going to change. We're going to change things up just a little bit today. Um, I, I, I really, I thought that we were going to be back on our series on the Holy Spirit tonight. And I know that we have taken just a little bit of a sabbatical from, um, from our, our series, but we're going to get back in there real soon. Um, and I had planned on going there tonight. We were going to talk about, and I'll, I'll give you a little preview. We were going to talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit in the rapture. And, uh, and so we will, Lord willing, we will get there, but, but here's what we're going to do today, and I believe this would be the will of the Lord. We're just going to camp out here all day today. And, um, and so rather than, rather than try to rush through this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this up into two parts today, and, uh, and it'll be a little more brief this morning and maybe a little more brief uh, tonight. Uh, but Revelation chapter 18 in your Bibles, and uh, when you find your place, let's all stand this morning out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And a number of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, God began to deal with my heart about what we're talking about, uh, well, really last Sunday night, I think, and, uh, and Tuesday night we talked about this, and now here we are again on Sunday morning, and probably again tonight, Lord willing, again tonight. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why the Lord is directing us uh, this down this path, but I, I know God knows, and I, I believe this is going to—I believe this is going to be a blessing. I believe it's going to be a help to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, and by born again I mean you don't know that you're saved, that you've been redeemed, and that you're on your way to heaven. Oh, listen, my dear friend, this would be a really good day for you to get saved. Um, and we can disagree on a lot of things. Everybody's got an opinion. Not everybody's opinion is the same. Some people like Ford. Some people like Chevy. Other, people's like, uh, other people like Dodge. You know, some people like the Cardinals and, you know, other people like Dodgers and some like the Braves and, and all of that. And we can, we can agree to disagree and still love each other and all that. But I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the things that we're going to talk about today and tonight um, it's just, it, it, it just is what it is. And, um, and, and you know what, the more, and, and, uh, this subject has expanded and it, and it keeps expanding <laughs> and we keep going into more services. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, um, but I'm going to tell you something, man, uh, this is just, it, this is, a, this is amazing, amazing stuff. And so, um, it is not politically correct the subject we're going to talk about today and tonight. It's not politically correct. How many know we live in a generation now where if people don't like something, they're like, oh, I don't like that, and I don't like that. And because I don't like it, I don't believe it. Well, it don't matter whether you like it or believe it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and after the service, I don't think there will be anybody, but after the service, some, some may say, well, I think, preacher, I think you're just trying to blow it up. Are you kidding I'm not blowing it up enough. I can't really explain it like it needs to be explained. And so let's look at it. Revelation 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird, 
For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much more, or how much, she hath glorified herself, and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. And therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her, and, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And you may be seated this morning. Let's talk about what life will be like during the tribulation. And this is part two. So let's, we're going we're gonna to pray and then I'll take just a moment and just roll over a few things with you that we've, that we've already hit because some people have not been in the services. And so we'll review just a moment and then we're going to get into some brand new material today. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you for letting us be here uh, this morning. Thank you for the great day you've already given us. Thank you for the beautiful day outside, the beautiful day inside. Lord, we've enjoyed the fellowship and the shaking of hands and just our church family. Father, we're so glad to be a part of the family of God. What a blessing that is. And Lord, thank you for giving us. Lord, uh, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, that bears witness with our spirit that we are the, the children of God. Father, we pray now that you've used the music and the singing to prepare our hearts, uh, Lord, for what you have for us from your word this morning. Lord, I'll not preach today. I'll teach today. Uh, Lord, this is really a lesson. This is not a sermon. This is more of a lesson. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, knit our hearts together. And, and uh, Father, I pray that you would give us a hunger and a thirst to learn the word of God. Lord, I can get up here and teach it, but if people aren't hungry for it, Father, it, 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 it's not gonna do what it, it may need to do. So I pray you'd help us to be hungry and thirsty after righteousness and Lord, I pray that you'll teach us some wonderful things from your grand, marvelous, and supernatural book today. May the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, receive all the glory and the praise from it all. And Father, we thank you and praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray, and all God's people said, amen. And we said Revelation chapter 17, Revelation chapter 18, and really more than that. But those two chapters specifically refer to a system toward the end of the tribulation referred to as the great Babylon. Several things we said. We said, whoever this great Babylon is, you say, Pastor, do you believe that, that the great Babylon could be America? I do. I do believe it could be the, that uh, America could be the great Babylon. But whoever this great Babylon is, first of all, has an attitude of arrogance, arrogance, Verse seven, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen 
and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. I'll never see the sorrow that a widow would see. Um, I shall not see sorrow. I'm, I, you know what? Things are great. And so we see that she's very smug in her attitude. And so whoever this great Babylon is has an attitude of arrogance. Number two, whoever this great Babylon is is a system of amazing affluence or affluence. Look at Revelation 18. And I want to read this again because I'm going to pay tribute to this just a little bit today. Revelation 18, verse 11. Notice some things about this great Babylon, this city, the great Babylon. Verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. In other words, she's been a great purchaser of their merchandise. They've made a lot of money, a lot of money off of her, whoever this great Babylon is, and now they're not making that, uh, that money that they used to make. Verse 12, what kind of merchandise? The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood. That's uh, the idea of, of wood that's sweet, uh, valuable, uh, and all fine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine, uh, wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beast and sheep and horses and chariots and, and, and notice this, and slaves and souls of men. You know, again, the idea here is this, that the, that, that the Bible on purpose, the Bible is being somewhat repetitive um, and you know, after a while, you, you read this and you think, all right, okay, I, I, get the, I get the idea. But that's exactly what God's trying to say. God's saying, I want you to understand that this great Babylon is a city of amazing wealth and luxury. Um, uh, exorbitant, I think would be the word. Exorbitant luxury, exorbitant wealth. Uh, but I noticed something this week as I was just studying this out. Um, we said a few weeks ago, we said a few services ago that whoever this great Babylon is is still gonna be evidently when the tribulation rolls around, somehow or another will still be very much a capitalist state, a capitalist society. And so I do believe that about great Babylon. I believe that she'll still be a great place of commerce. Uh, she'll be very luxurious, capitalistic. But, but on the same note, I'm gonna say, I'm not sure she'll be democratic. I think she'll be capitalistic, but not democratic. In fact, notice there the very last part of those verses, verse number 13, the Bible says that this great Babylon, whoever she is, is gonna be a, a city, a society, a system of what? Of slaves and souls of men. And so my great Babylon is living the life and is living a life of luxury it's very possible that other nations around this city are going to be living in poverty and they're going to be put into slavery uh, and those kind of things. So whoever this great Babylon is, uh, is a system of amazing affluence. And then uh, number three, whoever this great Babylon is, is seemingly aloof from the tribulation judgment. In other words, even while the tribulation is going on, she seems to be in her own little protective bubble, at least for a while, for a while. And so she's aloof from tribulation judgment. Now, church, understand something. Understand that you, you say, Pastor, great Babylon. You know, again, don't get, don't get messed up on who she is. Nobody knows necessarily for sure who she is. But 
But I would say this. Understand that, that this great Babylon is Satan's desire to counterfeit everything God has and everything God does, which is, by the way, that's what he does. Satan is a counterfeiter. He never gives you the genuine thing. He always gives you the counterfeit version. And, and Satan hates God. That's really what this is all about. It's not necessarily that Satan hates you, although he does hate you. Uh, it's not necessarily that he hates your family, although he does hate your family. But Satan hates God, and he hates anything that's going to bring glory to God. That's why he fights you so hard. That's why he fights this church like he does, because Satan hates God. And Satan tries his best to counterfeit everything that God has and everything that God does. For instance, God has angels. Well, so does Satan. We call them demons. I'll tell you why we call them demons in just a moment. Uh, God centers on the truth. Satan, on the, on the other hand, focuses on lies and deception. We believe that, that of course, God promotes spirit fullness, Holy Spirit fullness. Satan does as well. It's called demon possession. We know that God has his Christ, the Son of God. And so Satan will have his antichrist during the tribulation period. And so Satan takes everything that God has and tries to, to counterfeit it. And so it is with this great babbling. How many know this, that in eternity, the, that, that God is going to have a city for the saved? And that city is called the New Jerusalem. And Revelation chapter 21 tells us about, and Revelation chapter 22 tells us about that new Jerusalem, what it's gonna be like. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, if you're here this morning and you're born again, you're gonna live there for eternity. And the Bible says that it's gonna have a street of gold and gates of pearl. And, uh, and uh, listen, it's gonna have a crystal river. And, uh, and man, it's gonna be a place where there's no more sickness and no more cancer and no more dementia, no more Alzheimer's. And, uh, and man, it's gonna be a place where there's no more baby caskets. And, and thank God there'll be no more cemeteries. And boy, thank God for every doctor that we have, but doctors will be out of business in the New Jerusalem. Can I get an amen right there? And so God has a city and it's called the New Jerusalem. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, the Lord Jesus Christ has been away for over 2,000 years and he has been preparing that place that you and I are gonna live for eternity. The New Jerusalem. But Satan always counterfeits what God does. And so do you understand that this Babylon the Great during the tribulation period is none other than Satan's attempt to counterfeit and to have his own city, the great Babylon. But I'm gonna tell you what, when God finally judges this great Babylon, she's gonna fall, she's gonna fall hard. Several things we said. Again, this is, this is a little bit review here this, uh, this morning. Number one, we said that Revelation 18 provides evidence of a soon coming Savior. I'm not going to take time to go back over that again. You'll have to go back and watch that on the live stream. But it provides evidence of a soon coming Savior. Number two, we said that it provides examples of what life will be like during the tribulation. And we took Tuesday night to mention several things that are going, going to be, according to the Word of God, these are things that are going to be absent during the tribulation period. We said, first of all, that there will be an absence of music 
and absence of music. Look at Revelation 18 in your Bibles and, and verse number 22. For the sake of those who weren't here Tuesday night, Revelation 18, verse 22, the Bible says, and the voice of harpers, those that play instruments, those that play the harp, and if that wasn't clear enough, the Bible says, and musicians, so that makes it crystal clear, and of pipers, well, that would be folks that, you know, use wind instruments and trumpeters. Look what our Bible says, shall be heard, what? No more, What? At all. Now, that's, that's pretty crystal clear right there. You don't get any clearer than that. God says that these are going to be heard no more at all in thee. So the great Babylon, whoever it is, when God finally judges this city, this system, our Bible says that there will be an absence of music. Number two, we said that there'll be an absence of manufacturing. Look, look again at verse number 22, the middle part of the verse. The Bible says, and, and no craftsman. It's the idea of a builder. Those folks that build things or invent things and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be. Again, that's very self-explanatory. So God says, you know what, just in case you're not following me, let me put these other things in here to, to sort of describe what I'm saying. And no craftsman of whatsoever crafty be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. So there'll be no industry, there'll, there'll not be trade, at least not in the great Babylon there won't be. Uh, and so there'll be an absence of manufacturing, but something else. We said number three, there'll be an absence of mirth. Look at verse 23. Revelation 18, verse 23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. Now again, somebody said, preacher, I think you're exaggerating. Listen, don't listen to me, listen to God. And God said, it's not gonna be anymore at all in thee. So this place of, of great Babylon, there'll be no music, there'll be no manufacturing, and there'll be an absence of mirth. In other words, those everyday parts of life that bring us joy are gonna be a thing of the past. I don't believe that there'll be no electricity. You won't walk into the room, flip on a switch. Which, by the way, we would all have to testify to this, we all take that for granted until the power goes off. Until FEMA says it's going to be months before we get your power back on. And, and we all do that, including myself. What, what a joy to walk in, flip a switch, and lights come on. What a joy to walk in and just turn a dial and the oven turns on. But there's coming a day, that's not going to happen anymore. There'll be no power, there'll be no electricity, there'll be no uh, creature comforts, no celebrations. That's why the Bible mentions the bride, bridegroom and the, no, no celebrations, no cozy lifestyles. And so no music, no manufacturing, no mirth. And then we said this, there'll be an absence of ministry in this great Babylon, an absence of ministry. Look at Revelation 18, verse 24. The Bible says, and in her, in this great Babylon was found, notice this, the blood of. It doesn't say that prophets and saints would be found there. It says the blood of are gonna be found there. The blood of prophets and of saints. And so by this time, the church is gone. And there'll be, a, there'll be an absence of ministry. Now, that's review. Well, let's get into some brand new material this morning. I want us to understand something that when the church is taken out of the way, there's no way that, that me or any other preacher in this church can really do justice to this passage of Scripture. 
of how bad the tribulation period is going to be. And I know sometimes there probably are skeptics and critics who say those preachers just try to drum it up and they try to, you know, they, they try to glamorize it. I'm telling you, church. Uh, and then there are people who say, well, we're in the tribulation right now. And I want to look back very kindly and say, are you kidding? Not even a chance. You say, well, preacher, how do you know you're not in the tribulation? Well, for one thing, I'm here. And I won't be when it happens. But, but, but notice this, that when the church is taken out of the way and the tribulation period starts, I want you to understand something, church, that wickedness, and I can't emphasize that enough, but wickedness will literally saturate, and I think that's the key word there, will saturate the climate of the earth. It, it will be, man, how do, you, how do you explain this? How many of you ever had a snow globe in your house and you take that snow globe? For one thing, that snow globe's practically full of water. You take that snow globe and you shake it up, you know, and whatever's in there, snow or whatever's in there, just feels, it just feels the snow globe. Sometimes you can't even see the, whatever the, the image is in the snow globe. Sometimes you can't even really see the image until, until whatever's in the snow globe dies down. Y'all follow me today? You understand that when the church is taken out, that God is gonna take his snow globe and he is gonna shake this snow globe like he's never shook it and the earth will literally be saturated with a climate of wickedness. But don't take my word for it. Let's look and see what God says about it. Turn your Bibles over to 2 Thessalonians chapter number two and look at verse number seven. 2 Thessalonians chapter two and verse seven, what is this climate of wickedness you're talking about, pastor? Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven, the Bible says in verse seven, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. In other words, that, that uh, spirit of the antichrist is already at work. Hey church, man, we, we gotta get in, we gotta get going here today, but, uh, I want you to understand something. Do you understand that every one of you folks in this room right here, there is at least a chance you have already laid eyes on the Antichrist? You say, preacher, you're crazy. I don't think so. There is a very good likelihood that you've already seen him. He is possibly prominent and someone that's gonna walk onto the stage and Satan is gonna give him power, supernatural power, and he will promote him to a place of almost overnight prominence and success. And by the way, how many remember this? Satan has the, he has the power to do that. He told us that. I can give you the kingdom of the world. Uh, and so look at this, this climate of, of wickedness, 2 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he, only he, only he, we believe that's the Holy Spirit, by the way, only he who now letteth will let. Now, the word letteth in your King James Bible is the word for hinder. Uh, and so it would be like this, only he who now hinders will hinder. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So, preacher, who's gonna be taken out of the way? I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Now, is the Spirit of God still gonna be working? Sure he is. 
The Spirit of God's got to be present if conversion's going to take place. The Holy Spirit's got to be, he's got to be active in that process. And so uh, there's nowhere where God isn't. So we understand that. But at the same time, our Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God, boy, I'm going to tell you what, I don't know about you, I just love this. This is great. But anyway, and I just had to stop and say that. Uh, Our Bible teaches us that, don't you just love the Bible? Isn't it just great? Man, some people came up to me after the session of the retreat, and they're like, man, preacher, what a book. I'm like, yes, it is. Our Bible teaches us that the Spirit of God, when you get saved, that God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that you and I are not to hide our light under the bushel. We're to, we're to let our light shine. We're to let the Holy Spirit flow through us so this world can see us. And so we'll be a witness to them. But there is coming a day when that light, when that, that at least that part of the Holy Spirit is gone. Look what it says. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, notice the word wicked is capitalized. It's speaking of a personality. And then shall that wicked, the Antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Well, that pretty much tells us exactly who it is right there because that's exactly how he's going out. Verse nine, even him, the Holy Spirit, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Now, I've got some words that we just read. I've got some words underlined and highlighted in, in, in my, uh, on my outline today. Verse nine, I've got these words underlined, all power and signs and lying wonders. Verse 10, all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Verse 11, God shall send them, the Bible says God shall send them strong what? Delusion. That they should believe a lie, that they might all that, that, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man, I'm trying to get to the main part of that mind, but I'm having a hard time doing it. Church, I'm telling you something. There's coming a day when the church is taken out that there will be a climate of wickedness that we have never seen. You say, preacher, it's wicked right now. You're right. But I'm telling us, listen, it's not anything even comparable to what it's gonna be like when the church is gone and Satan takes over and at least the spirit of God within believers is taken out. There's going to be a climate of wickedness and lying wonders and deceivableness of unrighteousness. And not only that, but our Bible says that at that point, at that point, and people say, well, I don't believe a word you're saying, preacher. But I tell you what I'll do, I'll make a deal with you. When it happens, I'll believe. No, you won't. You say, I'll believe. If I, if, if I see the rapture take place, well, hang on to that thought because we're going to talk about the, Holy, the importance of the Holy Spirit and the rapture. But if you're here sitting in this auditorium or watching by way of live stream, 
and the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart right now about your need for Christ, and you turn away from that prompting of the Holy Spirit and Jesus comes and the church is called out and the tribulation begins, I believe beyond a shadow of any doubt, those who had the opportunity to be saved before the rapture will not have the opportunity to be saved after the rapture. Now, somebody got real out with me when I said that in a service. Pastor, are you saying that people aren't gonna be saved during the tribulation? I'm not saying that at all. There are gonna be probably millions that will be saved during the tribulation period, but not those who had the opportunity before. Now look back, at your, look back at your scripture again. Look at verse number 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not, because they received, notice that word, they received, they had the opportunity. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved, they had the opportunity to be born again. Verse 11, and for this cause, for this cause, God shall send them, those people who had the opportunity to believe, he shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Look at verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed, notice the word, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had the opportunity to believe, but they rejected that opportunity. And our Bible says that when the tribulation period takes place, that God will send those people strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And this is what's going to happen, without a doubt, probably. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene, and at least for a little while, he's going to fix everything. And Satan's going to empower him, and he's going to be the latest, greatest thing since peanut butter. And in a world that's literally cataclysmic and falling apart, somehow the Antichrist is going to have the answer. And then he's going to say this. If you're going to trade, if you're going to get groceries, if you're going to get medical care, if you'd like to still be one of the ones that can go over to urgent care and get some help, then you're going to have to receive a mark. Now, on, the, on their hand or on their forehead now, is that going to be a, a literal mark? I, I, I have no idea. Is it going to be a chip, an implant? I have no idea. Is it going to be a fingerprint? I don't know. But I do know this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I know this too. Satan don't want you to know this. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am not saved. But once all this starts happening, I'll get saved. No, you won't. Not according to the word of God. So you know, what the, you know what the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying this, that in this age of grace in which we're living, God is extending an invitation. And if, you've ever, if you have ever got in, you better get in right now. Right. Now, we're gonna stop there because that's a good place to stop. Tonight, Lord willing, We've talked about some absence and absence, some absences of things that are going to happen during the tribulation, but tonight we're going to talk about how this earth is going to be because of an abundance of some things. And I'm going to be honest with you, first point ought to scare you to death. We won't get there right now, but we'll get there in just a little while. 
Would you do me a big favor? Would you bow your heads with us all over the house today? I don't know who all I'm preaching to. I don't know who all's here today. I don't know who's watching by way of the live stream. But it could be there's somebody here this morning who says, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I hope I want to go. I don't want to be left behind. But preacher, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that I would go. And I, I want you to pray for me. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. The last thing in the world I want is to be left behind in this world that you're describing from Revelation chapter 18. The last thing in the world I want is to be judged with that great Babylon. If that's you, without anybody looking, you'd say, Pastor, not sure about heaven. If that's you, young or old, Without anybody looking around, would you just slip your hand up right now and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm ready. Not sure I'm ready to meet the Lord. Is there one anywhere, anywhere at all? Can I pray for you? Pastor, not ready. Not ready. How many of you here this morning, heads bowed and eyes closed, you'd say, Pastor, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I am saved and I'm on my way to heaven. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Pastor, I know I've been born again. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. You can lower your hands. But let me ask you this. How many of those who just raised their hands said, Preacher, I know that I am saved, but I know some loved ones who are not. And if the rapture took place today, they'd be left behind. And they mean the world to me. And I want them to be saved so bad. If that's you, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, I know somebody right now, a friend, a family member, a spouse, a child, a grandchild, mom, a dad. I know somebody that's lost. All right? Church, I believe, I'm, I believe we're preaching what the Word of God says here. I wonder during this invitation, if God laid a face on your mind Maybe today you just see fit to just tiptoe down to the old-fashioned altar for a moment and just breathe their name to the Lord of Lords and ask God to save them. Ask God to give you the opportunity to be a witness to them. Let's all stand this morning. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the word. Lord, I know we didn't get very far this morning. And I believe we'll get a lot further tonight. Lord, I pray that you burden our hearts for the lost. Father, we were at the retreat. You know this. We were at the retreat um, Friday. And the young man that came out to service our table there with the food, Lord, I asked him where he was from. And he said he was from Morocco. And God, you burdened my heart about Abdel. Lord, a little bit later, I went up and I spoke with this young man and asked him if he was a Muslim. And he said, yes, I'm a Muslim. But he said, we're open to other religions. Father, I'm thankful that I was able to give him a gospel track. And Lord, I, I pray that you'll burden our hearts for a lost and dying world. Regardless of what they look like, regardless of the color of their skin, Father, regardless of where they come from, 
Oh, God, help us to be an evangelistic church. And God, help us to be ready. I, I don't know why you're having me preach these messages. But God, it seems like we've been preaching a lot on the end times and the rapture of the church. And, and Lord, I don't know. I'm hoping it's because you're coming soon. So Lord, even so, come quickly. Come quickly. And God, help us to be ready. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Is there anybody else today that needs to make a move? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, Pastor, I am saved. I am saved. But I just need to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you, why don't you just slip out right now? Would you come? We have some folks down here with a Bible and we'd love to meet you. Preacher, I just need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you come? Could be you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've, uh, I've never been baptized. I've never taken that first step of obedience, and I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Hey, what about you? Would you come? Pastor, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and boy, we sure need to be. And maybe God's dealing with your heart about church membership. While we wait just for a moment, Folks are still on the altar. If you need to come, you come this morning. We'll keep our heads bowed just for another moment. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I just... I just need somebody to pray with me. I've got a heavy, heavy burden. And I just need somebody to pray with me. Hey, as we close the service today, if that's you, just slip out. Just slip out. Brother Ethan's right over here to my right. And if we need others, Brother Brandon's right here. If you're watching the live stream right now, we're so delighted that you're watching. And there's a number on the bottom of your screen. And I saw some of our folks exit, go to the prayer room just a minute ago. And if you're watching this broadcast and you'd say, Brother Pope, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know Christ as my Savior. Preacher, I'm afraid that I would be left behind if Jesus came today. All right, okay. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now. Would you reach for your phone and dial that number, 704-327-5662. And we have somebody that's waiting right beside the phone who would love to, to speak a word to you about the Lord. So I hope you'll call. I hope you'll call. Father, thank you for dealing with hearts today. Lord, I want to just thank you for this book. What a book. It never gets old. God, it's just like fresh bread. Every time you read it, pick it up every time you preach from it Lord it's just fresh Father I pray that you'd help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord and, and Lord more than ever before may our light may the light of the Holy Spirit shine through us oh Lord help me to be a witness to my family that's lost God help me to be a witness to my neighbors that are lost Father help us to be a witness and then, Lord, we want to turn right around and say thank you for a so great salvation. My soul, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the day you reached way down and saved my unworthy soul. Lord, I'm so glad that, Lord, for every one of, the, uh, every one of us that are born again, we have a blessed hope. <laughs> Lord, it's called heaven. Thank you for that. Lord, dismiss us with your blessing, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. We're gonna sing this little chorus right before we go, just as I am without one plea. Let's sing it together. Ready? Just as.